Rocking the Academy is a podcast that's changing the future of higher education. Your hosts, Mary Churchill and Rupika Rizm, bring you conversations with the very best truth tellers who are formulating a different vision of the university. Do they rock the boat? Yes. But in doing so, they rock the Academy. Rocking the Academy is sponsored by Johns Hopkins University Press, publisher of excellent books on higher education. On this episode of Rocking the Academy, we chat with Lavelle Porter, author of The Black Academic Life, Academic Fiction, Higher Education, and the Black Intellectual, published by Northwestern University Press in 2019. Porter is an assistant professor of English at New York City College of Technology. His writing has appeared in venues such as The New Inquiry, Poetry Foundation, and JSTOR Daily, and he is a blogger for Black Perspectives. Porter also serves on the board of directors for the Clagg Center for LGBTQ Studies. Welcome, Lavelle. We're so excited to have you with us today to talk about your work. So, Lavelle, you recently published your book, The Black Academic Life, with Northwestern University Press. Can you tell us about the book? Well, thanks for having me on. The Black Academic Life, Academic Fiction, Higher Education, and the Black Intellectual is the full title. It's the study of a genre of fiction known as the academic novel or academic fiction, which is a genre that foregrounds students and professors and campus life. And my study analyzes academic fiction by Black writers, and I explore Black academic fiction as a set of texts which address the experiences of Black students, professors, and administrators in institutions of higher education in a creative form. So what's your favorite black academic novel? Well, there's a lot of them. You know, when you work on a book like this, you gain a few favorites. Well, I was really, really fortunate to get a blurb from Samuel R. Delaney and his novel, The Madman, was kind of the book that kicked us all off. So I'd have to go with The Madman. But there are also some other great ones. I like most of Percival Everett's novels and he's done a few interesting academic novels. Erasure is my favorite. Yeah. So I wrote about Erasure. Uh, I didn't really have space to get into Glyph, but Glyph is even more of an academic novel than Erasure, I think, because it's a kind of satire literary theory, as well as I'm Not Sidney Poitier, which kind of has a parody of Morehouse College, my my, uh, alma mater in it. I'm kind of cheating here, so I said more than one. The one I will mention is uh, Paul Marshall's The Children's Place of Timeless People, which is just a beautiful novel, and I think completely underappreciated in many ways. And I look at that novel as a novel that's really about social science and anthropology and the ways that those disciplines uh, construct Black people. And, you know, it's set in the post-colonial Caribbean, and so it deals with all of that stuff. But it's uh, a narrative of how social scientists have dealt with, you know, studying populations, and it allows Black characters in that situation to talk back to some of the academicians who are trying to study them. So what led you to write this book? I was interested in African-American literary satire. That's kind of where it started. So I did a exam list that included Ishmael Rees, Japanese by Spring, and Percival Everett's Eration. I also really liked The Madman. I did another exam list on the work of Samuel R. Delaney. In an interview, he talked about The Madman as an academic novel. And that was kind of my first time I paid attention to that genre. And so it kind of got me to thinking, well, you know, are there other Black writers who've done this kind of work? So I'm interested in what kind of responses you've gotten to the book, even just the title, right? And, and then the book. Generally, the responses have been pretty good. I think people are interested in the book. 
It's a book that speaks to the current moment in higher education, and I think it speaks to the current political moment. I read it the day it came out. Oh yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Because <laughs> I was just waiting for it. I was really excited, excited to read it. I also really loved your acknowledgments. Mm -hmm. So for people who haven't had the chance to read the Black Academic Life yet, Lavelle's acknowledgments really situate his work and in, in the kind of university that he works, as well as his sense of the the colleagues and the people who facilitate his work. Can you tell us about those acknowledgments? Yeah, I think I, w I wanted to, you know, address my experience of writing the book because I do teach at a teaching intensive institution. So I'm not at a research university. I sort of had to navigate around that as, as many of us who publish, you know, books from those kinds of institutions have to do. I didn't want to make that invisible either. I take the advice from KSA Lehman, show your work. You know, so I kind of wanted to show my work a little bit and say, this is what it had to, <laughs> to deal with in order to write this book and also address the, the situation that a lot of my students have had to deal with uh, over the last three, four years. I was teaching, speaking of KSA Lehman, I was teaching him that semester of the fall 2016 semester. You know, so we're reading Long Division, his novel about Mississippi, where he goes back to back in time to 1964 and deals with the civil rights movement. So, you know, those conversations were already in the room as we were watching mm -hmm. things unfold. And a lot of my students, you know, from immigrant backgrounds, that was something I also wanted to address, too, is to acknowledge the, the type of the students that we teach at CUNY. People have responded well to that, the acknowledgments. I, I will say that. Excellent. Do you think that a lot's changed, a lot hasn't changed between the kinds of experiences that you write about in your book that Black academics have had versus now. Yeah, you know, a lot of things have changed. I, I can't be cynical and just say, no, everything's the same as it was back then. Because I do this historical analysis in the, the book. I start in the late 19th century with the founding and first years of some of the first historically Black colleges, who we now call historically Black colleges and universities. And the first works of Black academic fiction that I analyzed, most of them come from those experiences because that was where if you were a Black scholar and wanted to teach in an institution of higher education or pursue advanced degrees, that was where you ended up. Or even if you did pursue advanced degrees like W.E.B. Du Bois at Harvard, you still couldn't teach any, at any of those institutions. So I think there's the biggest change over the course of the period that I study is the movement of Black students and professors into majority white institutions. And that's not a linear narrative of progress either. So building on that and kind of thinking about race in the academy today, what do you think are the biggest challenges that Black scholars are facing and what can allies do to help improve the working conditions for Black academics? I'd say, you know, Black scholars, uh, Black students and professors and administrators are facing all the same economic conditions that everyone else is facing, except worse in many ways. When you look at things like the student loan crisis, for instance, that's hitting Black students particularly yes. hard. When you look at things like the casualization or adjunctification of the professoriate, that's also something that has affected Black scholars. So I think in some ways, you know, take everything that you all discuss on your podcast and amplify that by 10 for, for Black students and professors. Well, and kind of that follow-up, what can those who have more power do? I think speaking up about this stuff is important. I don't want people to just look at me as somebody who just made it because I'm, I am a tenure-track professor, but I also talk about the, the difficulties that are 
happening in the profession, some level of candor about the reality of those working conditions. And that was also kind of behind my acknowledgments too, because I mentioned exactly. the exactly. fact that so many of our professors are, are adjuncts. So you know, I didn't want to write this book and pass it off as just another academic monograph, but I wanted to also mention, hey, you know, wait, the place where I teach, 70% of our faculty are adjuncts. And, you know, I was with Rupsi at Salem State, and now I'm at Boston University, and they really are different worlds, and it is as if faculty from the two institutional types do not interact. I am constantly doing that translation of trying to explain what it's like at a teaching intensive regional comprehensive Mm -hmm. and talk about the lack of resources and just the kind of bench strength of faculty, you know, they'll say, here, we don't have enough. And I'll say, yeah, but if you look at this other institution, they have one person who does that, or they have two people and they're like, they feel lucky to have two people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, they're, they're different worlds. So I'm glad that you're drawing attention to that. And that's something that comes up in the genre itself. If you just limit it to like film, uh, if you watch most of the films about higher education, there are very little representation of the type of institutions where we teach. And, you know, there are many different reasons for that. I guess you know, those kind of prestigious institutions make for the type of place that the filmmakers, let's say, would want to, to think of as like the, the definitive college experience. I have my theories about why there's less representation of, of some of these other institutions. Some of it's just the amount of work that we do. There's not much time for reflection. There's also, you know, think about the access to, if you're talking about novels about higher ed, the access to like the big publishing houses that will publish a book about one's college experience, it's more and more likely that one's going to come from those elite institutions. There's the good news, I think, is that there are other critics and artists who are paying attention to this. There was just that great piece in the Chronicle Higher Education by Christina Quinn about the adjunct novel. So she looks at some of these academic novels that are that address the plight of adjuncts. So what gives you hope? What keeps you motivated and ins- inspired to, to keep, keep going to work and keep working with your students? I think there's several, you know, developments that have come about in the last few years. I think the, the student activism that we've seen, I mean, that's also something I address in the book, Black Lives Matter movement and some of the things that came out af- after that. Um, that's been hopeful. The fact that there's more conversation about student loan debt and student loan debt relief and also the affordability of college. Uh, those are issues that are on the table in a way they haven't been in the past. So I think that, you know, they can't be ignored anymore. And that's, I think, something to look forward to. I don't know whether anything will be done about them, but at least, you know, those conversations are happening. I do think this idea of free college and loan cancellation is, it is gaining momentum. It's not just folks who are in higher ed. It's people who, you know, are on the street talking about it, which is fantastic. And especially, I mean, there are two different groups of people, right? The, The people who can't really launch their lives because they have such debt. And the fact that they could file for bankruptcy and write that off, you know, that's a start of a conversation, canceling student debt. And then if even making community colleges free, you know, I mean, a starting point, I think if there, people are starting to talk about it, which to me means they're starting to hope. You have been listening to Rocking the Academy. Rocking the Academy is sponsored by Johns Hopkins University Press, publisher of An Insider's Guide to University Administration by Daniel Grassian, available where books are sold.